0: Well, church, it is good to be together this morning. My name is James, as Pastor Rick mentioned. And if we have not had the chance to meet, I hope we get to meet uh, afterwards. And I do, normally normally you'd see me with a guitar up on stage, but it was really cool to just be, have this perspective, to be uh, with God's people, just singing and praising God. So I'm like, I'm filled up, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to open God's word and to, to preach this morning. Real quick, before we dive in, this past weekend, uh, we did, uh, myself and Valentina and some of our leaders from Ignite, we took a weekend retreat up to Camp Careth. and I wanted to just show a quick picture of the group. There was 48 of us that were up there. God is working in our student ministry. He is multiplying and adding to the efforts, and he's doing the work and just blessing um, the students of Mount Hope. And so we had fun, man. We had a lot. We played dodgeball. I got smacked in the face by one so hard. Uh, we went water tubing. Um, they, we didn't get a lot of sleep. That's what we didn't do. We didn't sleep a lot. And, and I wanted to ask you parents, this, this is something that happened in the morning. Does this happen in your house? The, the, the teenagers were up at 5 a.m. in my room. Is that, is that how you, are your teens waking up at 5 a.m.? And then they're asking me, what do we do? What do we do in the morning? I said, well, breakfast isn't until 8.30. So like, I don't know what to tell you. We weren't, we didn't really feel like we needed to put a rule around when you, like, uh, how early you could wake up. That's not what we were planning on. But they were up and they were ready and uh, it was fun. Any rule, speaking of rules, any rule followers in the room, like uh, the rule is, you see the authority, you want to follow the rule. The yellow light and you uh, will slam on your brakes, even if it causes an accident. You would rather, uh, you know, stop at the light, right? Uh, 12 items or less in the, uh, the checkout lane, right? Like 13 items, you're not going through there, right? Uh, during COVID, you were, for social distancing, you were walking off the six feet to make sure that you were six feet apart, right? Any rule breakers? Any rule breakers? I know we're in church. Oh, Whoops right? The yellow light is an invitation for you to speed up. It doesn't matter if you have 27 items. If it's the quickest way to get out of the store, you're going through that line, and you're hoping that no one sees. Rule followers and rule breakers. Some, for some of us, there's a little bit of both in all of us, right? And, and as we come to God's word, What happens with both rule followers and rule breakers is we get to a certain point as we we get into God's word, we start to learn more about him. What we realize is that this book is full of a lot of rules. There's a lot of commands that God gives in here, and we can be overwhelmed and start to say, how in the world am I going to be able to follow all of this? That's what the rule follower does. Or the rule breaker might say, well, since I can't follow all these, I'm not going to follow any of them. Or maybe we start to think that rule following somehow makes us right before God. It's our ability to follow the rules that makes us right. We're in the letter of First John, and we've been talking about uh, what it looks like to walk with Jesus even in the midst of storms. And what John is going to do this morning... For those that would look at the rules of the Bible, look at God's word and say, my heart condemns me. I am overwhelmed and I feel the crushing weight of condemnation on me as I read this and I see I can't live up to it. What John is going to do this morning, he's giving assurance of our salvation. How do we know? How do we know that we are saved? How do we know that we are walking in the truth? And he's going to speak to us this morning. When, uh, when I last stood up here on this stage, I was teaching on the book of Revelation. And in that, uh, John is an older man. It's the same John who writes it. He writes 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He writes the gospel of John, which is the, uh, the life of Jesus. And he also writes the book of Revelation. And as he does this, uh, in the book of Revelation, it's mentioned 17 out of the 22 times, 17 out of the 22 chapters, a throne is mentioned, a throne, and 45 times he mentions this throne, and on it is sitting God, and he judges and rules over everything and everyone. And what we're going to see is what is our standing before God? How should we feel as we come to this book? He's going to tell us how to respond, how to feel emotionally, but also how to respond practically to the laws of God and to his commands and to the God that we serve who sits on the throne. And so do you have your Bible with you today? If you do, hold it up. Hold it up. Hold it up, I see, yep, 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 all over the room. Yes, turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And when you are there, say, I'm there. If you're just joining us, I want to read a few sections uh, of... First John that we've covered already when we talk about rule following rule breaking our hearts condemning us and I want to see what uh, you think I just want to I want you to tell me how you feel as you hear this this is First John uh, these are sections from the book that we have already covered or will cover here's what he says if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth Whoever says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Big words. Whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. He does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. Whoever loves the world or the things that are in the world, the love of the Father is not in him anyone who makes a practice of sinning practices lawlessness sin is lawlessness he continues no one who abides in him keeps on sinning no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him is there any habitual sin in our lives everyone who hates his brother is a murderer more big words Everyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? How do you feel? I feel like I went 12 rounds with Floyd Mayweather. I feel pretty beat up after reading some of those. And as we see what God's word says, it could be easy to sit here this morning and say, well, my heart condemns me i i know myself i know that i have not lived up to god's standard and therefore i'm left with my heart condemning me john wants to give assurance in this letter and right in the middle of this great letter he's going to pause and tell us how we should respond first john chapter 3 verse 19 As we get into it, I just want to say a word of prayer and ask God to speak to us this morning again. Lord, our hearts are prone to wander. And so I ask that as we read from your word, as we study it, would it come alive to us? God, we need your truth to reassure our hearts this morning. Speak to us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 1 John chapter 3, verse 19, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Right before verse 19 and verse 18, he had said, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And then he says, when your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart, and he knows everything. The God who sits on the throne, the the God who sits on the throne where all of human history is moving towards this moment where we stand before God. It is not you on the throne. It is not me on the throne. It is God and God alone who sits on the throne. And what John tells us, kind of a scary thought, right? He knows everything. Let that sink in for a moment. He knows everything. Nobody knows everything about you except you and Jesus, right? There's, there's things in our lives. There's, there's places in our hearts. There's secret things. There are hidden things. There are, there are motives and there are inclinations. There are things that we've done. There's things that we've said. There's things that we haven't done. Or haven't said that we should have. And, and what John says is God knows everything. He knows everything about you. He actually knows you better than you know you. Hearing that does your heart condemn you. As we come to know the God of the Bible, what we start to learn as we go throughout the pages of Scripture is really how unlike the God of the Bible that you and I are. That's, that's, that's what we come to find out. The number one attribute of God listed in all of Scripture is His holiness, God's holiness. That means that He is set apart. That means that he is, he is different, like we're not playing in the same league. He is above it all. He is holy. He is set apart. He is perfect. And for us, we start to realize that as we draw more nearly towards God, we start to see our sin more clearly as we get to know him. The best way that I could illustrate this is I want you to imagine you went on a hike up in New Hampshire somewhere. You go on a hiking trail and you start to, uh, you're on the hike, you've been out for a while and the sun is starting to set and you lose your way. And you start to get turned around and uh, you don't know where you're going. And panic starts to set in. Anxiety that the sun is is rapidly setting, and you need to find your way out of where you are as the sun is setting you you 're walking and you trip and you fall and you skin up your knee and, and maybe you think oh i think i 've maybe ripped my clothes i, I don 't know i, I can 't see myself the darkness is is over me all of a sudden, you finally see a light in the distance that is A house that has a light on and it's shining, and so you're you're overjoyed, and you start to walk towards the house, not knowing what your condition is. And as you get closer to the light, you can start to see, like, oh, I do, I'm bleeding, and and I did tear my shirt, and I am dirty. And as you draw closer and closer to the light, and the more that the light shines on you, the more you realize how. Filthy how dirty of a condition you really are in. And this is really how it works with God. The more of his light that illuminates you, the light of his truth and his word as it shines on you and on our hearts, we start to realize what condition we really are in. And this is what John says, that as our hearts condemn us, god is greater than our hearts and he knows everything what is he saying here's the big idea god knows everything about you and he still loves you god knows everything there's nothing that can be hidden from him and he forgives you god knows everything he sees all he sees everything and he accepts you he's he's greater than our hearts he knows everything and it's not because you are lovely It's because he is loving. It's not because you earned it. It's because Jesus Christ has earned it on the cross for us. This is the good news that we celebrate. This is the gospel that we rejoice in, that Jesus traded places with us. He took our place in our sin. He gave us his righteousness that we could be called children of God. This is how our hearts are reassured. This is how condemnation is about to turn into confidence, you'll see here in a moment. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, this is what Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When Jesus has taken on your condemnation for you, you no longer have to live in it and you can give it and surrender it to him. And so my question is this morning, do you know Jesus? Are you trusting in Jesus? Are you believing in Jesus? Are you relying on Jesus? Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is why the storyline of the Bible is called Good News. Because God is greater. And when our heart condemns us, as John says, God speaks hope, God speaks life, God speaks love, God speaks peace. When our hearts are prone to condemn us, he's greater and he grants us forgiveness. What this also means is what you think about yourself needs to be submitted to God and to his authority. Because what you think about yourself must be shaped by what God has said about you. So you might feel certain ways. You might feel guilt and you might feel shame. You might feel condemnation. And maybe there's some things in your life that that you need to confess, that you need to get right with God. But if you are carrying around and walking in that state of condemnation in that guilt of, i, I got to follow the rules, i gotta, I got to add more things to what I'm trying to do so that God will accept me, we submit what, how we feel about ourselves to what God has said about us in his word, his children. Once our hearts have been reassured in this truth, John continues in verse 21. Beloved, If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. John is saying we can confidently now approach God in prayer. I see our condemnation changes to confidence when we are walking with God. And he starts by saying, beloved. That's an important word. It's like, it's like a parent getting down on the level of their child and looking them in the eyes, saying, I love you. You need to listen to me. I know what's best for you, beloved. That's who you are in Christ. You are loved. You're a child of God. And you might say, well, I'm older now. I'm not a kid anymore. We're all God's children. We're all God's children. We don't, out, we don't outgrow that. And he is our father. And so we trust him. He says that we can go before God with confidence. Confidence. When we read throughout the scriptures, would you, do you remember people seeing God and their response being that of confidence? I think of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 and he sees God high and lifted up, the train of his robe filling the temple and, he, and his response to this is, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips, I am undone. This same John in the book of Revelation writes in chapter 1 and he sees Jesus now resurrected and, and ascended. And he sees Jesus, a vision of Jesus, and he says he falls down as though he was a dead man seeing Jesus. Confidence is not what we normally associate coming face to face with God. And yet he says we can walk confidently before God knowing that he hears our requests. We can have confidence. One of the most important things about you is how you view God. How you view God. And what I mean by that is, do you see God as a harsh dictator? Do you see him as a harsh dictator that is just there to zap you when you do something wrong? He's just waiting. Ha, got him, got him. They did it again. Or do you see God as a loving father? The condemned heart sees God as someone who is just out to get them. The condemned heart feels guilt and shame and says, there's no way that I could approach God. And yet the confident heart, we're told, approaches God boldly, making requests of him. He's going to say that again just a few chapters later in chapter 5, verse 13. I write these things to you to those who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Once again, he's writing for assurance. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. This is like a child running to their parents. Mom, Dad, I have a request to make of you. And as a, as a parent, you want to grant good requests to your children, don't you? You're... Your, Your child comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, can I read the Bible? Yes, you can do that. Mom, Dad, can I eat some healthy snacks? 100%. (laughs) Mom, Dad, can I light bottle rockets off in the house? (laughs) No. Nope, we're not going to do that. Because that's not, I I know that that's not going to lead to your good. It's not going to lead you into good things. And so as a good parent would do, God is the perfect father. And he wants good things for his children that are asked in accordance with his will. He's talking about prayer here. We can come confidently before him in prayer as our father, as our father. This is why Jesus starts off the prayer with his disciples. How does he teach them to pray? How does it start? Our Father who art in heaven. Because he's, he's our Father. The best way that I could uh, think to illustrate this uh, is this picture uh, that you'll see here on the screen. And, and it's kind of an iconic photo But JFK, behind the Oval Office desk in the White House, and JFK Jr., his boy, underneath, playing in the desk. And and, in the Oval Office, you know, this this signifies power, this signifies stature, this signifies history as he sits behind that desk. If you or I were to, you know, have to stand in front of the Oval Office, in the Oval Office room, in front of the desk of the president, I don't know about you, but for me, like, I'd be a little bit worried that maybe I'd say the wrong thing, I'd mess up, Secret Service will have to come, get involved, like, I just, I I worry that I would mess it up, and I would have a certain posture as I'm there. Not everyone gets to do this right like if we found the prime minister of another country like underneath the desk you know w- w- with some candy in his hand like it, that'd be weird <laughs> be really weird not everyone gets to do this but you know who does his son his son he's comfortable he approaches he is not worried or or scared about how his dad will react he is, the, the relationship that he has with his father is different. There's access. You're a child of God. He's your father, and he doesn't just rule over a nation. He rules over every nation. Your God has all the power, all the glory. He is God Almighty, and yet he's your father. And so we can confidently come before him remembering that he is my father he knows me and he loves me and I realize even in just thinking about this message and and bringing it to to you this morning I I, I'm not naive to think that in a room this size everyone has had a good earthly dad there there are those who have not had fathers who have uh, had bad earthly dads and what God says in his word is he's a father to the fatherless. He is the perfect father. And he loves his children. Let's continue. Verse 23. And this is his commandment. So there are commands. There are rules. There are things we need to follow. That we believe in the name of the son, of his son, Jesus Christ, lo- and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us. How? By the spirit whom he has given us. Confidently obey his commands with joy. How do we do this, John? How could we possibly live a life that we could confidently come and approach God Almighty? How could we put our trust in Jesus Christ? how could we start to want to do God's will in God's ways how it's the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us it's not by us writing okay James I'm gonna write down the list of rules you gave this morning and I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna try to obey them in my own strength no instead as we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives he begins to change us give us new give us a new nature as the Bible tells us, that new desires. Now we want to follow God's word. All of a sudden it's like, I kind of like going to church. This is weird. I don't know what's happening here. I kind of like opening up the Bible and reading it. And God is speaking to me. And like, I don't do a lot of the things I used to do anymore. I don't go to a lot of the same places I used to go. And it's because the Holy Spirit now resides in you. And he's given you new nature and new desires. And you can confidently obey his commands with joy. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 7. And and what John is doing, because he writes the gospel of John, he was like in his 20s. Picture this. He's in his 20s when he writes the gospel of John. He's now probably like 80 or 100 writing 1 John. And yet he, he... still is hanging on to Jesus' words. And what he does is you'll see him repeat a lot of what Jesus said. And so read this and and see if it sounds familiar with what we've been saying so far. John chapter uh, 15, verse uh, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified Think about this for a moment. The reason that God wants us to obey His commands, the reason why we can confidently and joyfully obey His commands, empowered by the Holy Spirit, it results in joy. God, God has not put us in a box. To say we're going to, you're going to obey all these things and I'm here to steal the fun and I'm here to take all the joy out of life. No, there's actually a promise that as you obey the commands of God, that joy is promised to you and joy follows. There is joy in trusting in the Lord's commands. As Billy Sunday said it, and I laughed when I I read this, if there's no joy in your life, then there's a leak in your Christianity. That's what Billy Sunday said. We, it, is, it is not that we look at God and say, God, why are you trying to steal all the fun? Why are you trying to steal my joy? No, it, there is joy in walking with God, obeying his commands, walking with the Father step by step as he leads us through life. And so in that way, the Christian life is actually the most joyful, satisfied, fulfilled life that you can live. And so you say, All right, James, what do we do? Tell us from God's word, what do we do? Here's what, here's how 1 John ends in verse 13. We read it already. I write these things to you, verse 13 of chapter 5. I write these things to you, to those who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that you can have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have requests that we have asked of him, that we have the requests that we have asked of him. What do I, as I walk away from here, as I walk away from this this section of 1 John, how are we called to live as Christians? I think we can overcomplicate it sometimes. And I think we can think about where's God calling us to and, and where, you know, where, what does he want to do with my life? And those are all really good questions. But I think if we just simplify it down, just kind of distill it down, there's an old hymn that I love. And it's called Trust and Obey. Trust and Obey. And this is how the song begins in a chorus to the song. I don't, I'm not ready to sing it up here. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his goodwill, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. The simple steps of trusting where your father is leading you and obeying the commands that he's put in front of you. Is there an opportunity in your life right now, a circumstance in your life that's an opportunity for you to trust God right now, today? Is there a, an area of your life where you could say, I, I have not been obedient in this way to God, and I want to obey? And This morning, we take those simple steps of just trusting and obeying where God is leading us. I want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you walked in here and your heart is heavy. Your heart is heavy because of condemnation that you have put on yourself, that something has happened to you. There is words that you've said. There are things you've done. There's things you've left undone. And this morning you feel the condemnation and the guilt and the shame. My encouragement to you this morning is to run to Jesus, to run to him, surrender that to him. And don't hold that on yourself anymore. You, you can't hold the weight of that. And you were not meant to hold the weight of that. We run to Jesus and we give it to him. I want to I pray for the the rule breaker this morning that's been running from God. It's been running from God because they feel like, man, if I give my heart to God, there goes all the fun. There goes what I thought my life would be. And God has so much greater things for you in store. So many greater things for you. I wanna pray for you that you would give your heart to God this morning. We're gonna take a moment to, to just talk to God, and then we're going to respond in singing that Jesus, you can have it all. You can have every part of my life, as we sang earlier. And so let's bow our heads and I'll pray. Please don't just listen to me pray. I, I want you to seek God on your own. He's listening. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that guides us into truth, that reassures our hearts. God, this morning, we can't do anything apart from you, and our hearts are very prone to condemning us. I pray for the... The brother or the sister that has walked in here this morning with their hearts heavy with condemnation and guilt and with shame. And God, I pray that whatever has been done, whether it was years ago and they've been carrying it this whole time, whether it was just recently, it was this weekend, God, I pray that this morning might you illuminate the eyes of our heart to see you as a good father to see you as a loving dad that we can run to, not run from. God, may we not see our ability to keep the rules as a way that we're made right before you, but instead may we abide in you, as John chapter 15 tells us, abide in you. And may your spirit dwell in us to change us. God, let us be a church that is hungry for more of you that wants to to see you in a a greater way, that wants to surrender parts of our lives to you and hold nothing back from you. God, may may people see the way that we live and, and the way that we love each other and say, I want to know that God that you know. And may this room be full of people who want to learn your word, who want to live for you, who as Psalm chapter one says, delight in your laws. God, would you lift the condemnation and shame this morning. May the Holy Spirit work in our hearts. God, for the person who's been running from you, call them back to yourself this morning. May they hear you call their name. And may they run to you and give all of themselves To you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.